0: Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. We're your hosts, Brad Stallberg
1: and Steve Magnus. And welcome to another episode of the Growth Equation Podcast. Brad, how's it going, my man?
0: Things are going all right, Steve. Um, Rainy day here in Asheville, North Carolina, but... Able to get in the garage for a 45 minute workout this morning, so I'm feeling uh, as energized as I'm gonna be.
1: Man, it is rainy and 50 degrees here, which is our first cold day of our Houston winter, but I was able to go out and run nine miles, so it's all good here, too. Cool. Well, what
0: are we going to talk about today?
1: Oh man, we're gonna talk about trust. And how lack of trust kind of gets in the way in several different areas and avenues. And we're going to look at it from a coaching, a performance, an educating, a business, a leading perspective. And kind of dive into, you know, um, how maybe we can, uh, in the coaching world, I I call it trust your training. But it's also trust those you're leading and trust those uh, who you have power over.
0: And the only thing that I would add there is also trust yourself, and um, how you know just how important it is to really have trust in yourself, particularly um, if you're trying to get on a path of sustainable success and, and get the most out of um, out of what you got. So the the impetus for teeing up this topic, um, Mayor Pete Pete Buttigieg put out a book a few weeks ago titled Trust. Uh, It's a short book. I read it in a couple sittings. Uh, Really good book. And Pete basically makes the case that the most important thing for any government system to function is trust. Because without trust, you have all kinds of inefficiencies. Um, And it reminded me of something that Way back in the day, when I was in undergraduate school, the professor emeritus and director of my program, uh, a guy named Professor Richard Price, told me at my exit interview as I was graduating, he said that if you take away anything from this study in organizational behavior, that was a big part of my program, know that trust is the most important thing there is. In all inefficiencies in life are created at their core, from a lack of trust. And what he meant by this, to give a real explicit example, is pretend that you are a parent or you are a manager and you tell your child or your employee to do something. Well, if you trust them, all you have to do is tell them to do it and then you can get on with your day. If you don't trust them, you need to be looking over your shoulder In the case of a parent, you need to ask your kid. In the case of a manager, you might need to email your employee or hold a meeting to do a status check. And all of these things that we just assume are a regular part of life, many of them are rooted in a lack of trust because if we had full trust, we wouldn't have to build in all of these redundancies.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, I'll take it from the coaching end as well is that from a performance standpoint if you can get to a point where you trust your athletes or you trust your workers or you trust yourself or you trust the work that you're doing that matters more than any any of the specifics we'll use again in my context running that matters more than any of the specific workouts you do or the you know the the whatever lifting you do any of the training you do it's trusting in yourself program and and you know training to perform if you don't have that you can do the best training program you know in the world and your performance won't improve i've seen it time and time again so like this concept of trust like goes so far and wide But it's also easy to understand why we don't have it and why we fight against it. Because it's very hard. Trust means to me, like, giving away a little bit of your sense of control. And that's why I think we get into some of these situations, What, which you kind of hinted at, Brad, which is almost the, like, micromanaging style. Because... Whenever we don't have that trust, we have that gnawing feeling of like anxiety or that, that feeling in the back of your head of like, oh my gosh, are they going to get this done? Are they going to get this done? Like, I need to be on top of it at all times. And that just erodes, again, performance over the long haul.
0: Exactly. And I think that it's also worth pointing out that trust isn't necessarily something that just happens at baseline you have to earn the trust. And again, this is whether we're talking about trusting other people or whether you're talking about trusting yourself. Um, there's this quote from an anonymous Zen master. And the the quote is, faith is confidence born from realizing the fruits of practice. So faith is confidence born from realizing the fruits of practice. And I'm going to connect that to what you said, which is when you have trust, you're giving a little bit of your control away and you're taking a leap of faith. Again, whether that's you're trusting another individual with something important or you're on the start line of a race, you're about to make a huge business decision, you don't know what's going to happen. So the act of trusting yourself is having faith. And what that Zen Masters quote connects to is that Faith isn't like, oh, you know, the, the God is going to make this happen for me. It can be if you're deeply religious. But even then, for most people, the most strong kind of faith is based on evidence. Um, and I think that that's really important. So we tend to think of like faith and evidence is very separate. But I would encourage people to also consider a kind of faith that is rooted in evidence. So to trust yourself or to trust others requires the leap of faith. And you build that faith through evidence. Does that right. make sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's again. I'll take I'll take your uh, your ancient wisdom and take it over to the running world. But it's something I mentioned there. It's trust in your training. It's trust in the doing the work, seeing the evidence.
0: Right, and that's something I say to my executive coaching clients all the time. It's not just um, sport or running. When we say trust your training, that can be in anything. That can be trust your training as a creative, as an artist
1: exactly but it's like in order to get that like there's a difference right i can show up on the starting line or i can show up at a you know a presentation to give at a meeting and i can sit there and say oh trust your training but that has no discernible impact if i didn't do the work right because your your bot your body is smarter than that like your brain knows like well, you're not going to, you know, alleviate the anxiety or whatever have you if you haven't done the work. But if you show up and you say, you know, hey, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I, I don't know about this, you reflect on the work you've done, a lot of times that helps, again, put you in a place where you can perform because you actually did the work and you have this sense of, uh, sense of uh, you know, contentment or ease knowing that, you know, whatever happens, you put in the work to do this. You know, one of the concepts I think of, Brad, is something that we've talked about in person and then both on the Growth Equation um, newsletter and blog is that concept of of getting to the starting line and once the gun goes off, whether the gun be an actual gun in terms of starting the race or, you know, getting to the point where you're giving your presentation – and the reason, it, and once the gun goes off, you kind of revert to your training and everything is good and it, all your worries kind of fade away and you go into performance mode. If and you it, did the training. Right. And the reason you can do that is if you did the training and the work, right? It's a common yeah. phenomenon. But if, you, if the gun goes off and you didn't do the training, you don't get to that state where it's like, okay, I'm in the, I'm in this performance state. I can just click it off you're yeah. still worried. So that's where that, that trust piece has to be centered and founded in the work.
0: Particularly, I think, when it comes to trust for yourself or trust in a really intimate context. So um, in, in a relationship, whether it's with a romantic other or a child or a good friend or even in a small company, and the reason that I make that distinction is the larger the unit... Um, Of people, or the more that is at stake, generally there are systems in place to kind of like validate that you've done the work. Um, And again, I'm going to go to a very concrete example. So I'm not just talking in abstractions. So, what we're talking about here is the difference between getting a mortgage on a house when you've got 300K in the bank versus when you've got 30K in the bank. And when you get a mortgage, you go through an application fee. Again, it's because there's not trust. If there was trust, you wouldn't have to. But there's not trust. So you go, when, when we saw what happened actually in the mortgage crisis when that went away. But for the sake of this analogy, you go through this big application fee and you only get the mortgage if you have the money in the bank when things are working well when you are training for an athletic event or when you are in a relationship with someone that is close to you or you are trying to launch a new business or creative product you're basically like getting that mortgage but you don't have a whole application process only you know if you've done the work
1: and that's such a good example and i think that's where the problem of of you know we've talked about trusting self is trusting others that is that next leap that is very difficult.
0: So let's yeah, before we move there, I do want to, because you know we've only we've only treated this with like ten minutes or so. I want to tie a bow around trusting self. So trusting self, simple but not easy, right? It's about taking a leap of faith, but having done the work that gives you that confidence and faith. And trust doesn't mean that you're not going to be nervous. As you mentioned, you're really nervous, but then the gun goes off. And you can lean back on the work that you did on your training, and you can let that carry you forward. Um, So the best way to build trust in yourself is to do the work and to give yourself evidence. And then just to start. Don't worry about the nerves. Push that stuff aside. Let the gun go off in the race. Start the presentation. Hit ship on your product and know that you've done the work. And then things click into place. Where if you haven't done the work you probably maintain a high level of anxiety because you know you're faking it. Um, so that's trust self. Trusting others, yes. More complicated.
1: <laughs> yes, that's a, a nice summary there. And um, the only thing I'd add there uh, is there's actually some very interesting research that shows that, um, you know, on that gun goes off kind of moment, that if we've actually have the belief that's surrounded in, in in doing the work, we get a bump in positive hormones, such as like testosterone. If we have the belief, but it's not founded, it's artificial, it's fake. We don't get that that hormonal boost that tends to improve our performance because again, our body brain is smarter than we give it credit for. We can't fake our way through it. Yeah. It's so- like,
0: it's back to my ancient wisdom, right? It's like what the mystics say is that like, you've got your brain and your brain can tell a really good story, but then you've got like, your spirit or your awareness or your mind-body system, whatever you want to call it, but the part of you that knows in your bones whether or not that story is true. And if it's a fake
1: story, you're going to get a whole lot of stress hormone. It, exactly. So that's why the, 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 the adage of like just fake it doesn't, you know, doesn't work very well um, in situations that matter in which you haven't done the work to put you in, into that place because you know your body's smart. Yeah, Uh,
0: is one more interesting aside on this, um, because I think it might be practical for listeners. Uh, And we've written about this quite extensively in peak performance, I think in the Passion Paradox too, and certainly on the blog. So y'all may be familiar with this. But if not, um, something where this backfires all the time is in trying to use mindful breathing to calm down before a big event. So if you've done a lot of mindfulness training, then yes using mindful breathing techniques when you're anxious before a big event is really helpful. But if you haven't done mindfulness breathing practice, and you try to breathe your way into a calm state, all that happens is it doesn't work because you haven't done the practice. And then you get even more anxious because now, well, not even mindfulness is working, I'm really screwed. Um, so I think that's an example that a lot of people um, confront just because like these practices that have gotten really popular, they work great but they only work great if you've put in the practice.
1: Right. I mean, that's that's a great example of thinking it's the thing when it's really the practice that allows you to do the thing when you need it, you know? Yes. Yes. All right. Okay. Trusting others. <laughs> okay.
0: Finally. 15 minutes later.
1: Yeah. Tr- trusting others. So, this is, again, I think even mo- trusting yourself is really hard, especially in, you know, today's day where we're judged a lot. But I think trusting others is is another step beyond that because it's still founded in in the idea of doing the work. But when you're looking at trusting yourself, you can at least rationalize and understand and see the work that you've done. When you're trusting others, a lot of times, you can't, you you know, in the real world, you can't see the work that, that they've done. If you're a boss, like you see, you know, parts of it, maybe, but you don't see the day-to-day what they're doing. You don't see everything. If you're a, a principal judging teachers, like, you see that, yes, they are teaching, but you don't see exactly what kind of work that they are putting in. And I think that inability to see it, um g- you know, plays into one of our cognitive biases, which is, like, if we can't actually see the thing, it's harder to convince ourselves that things are taking place. So, we fall into this trap of, okay, if I can't directly see it, I don't have the direct evidence, then I'm going to go on to the other side of the spectrum, which is like, try to micromanage it, not have the trust there, not to give my employees autonomy to do their thing, because I I can't quite make that leap. Bingo! You hit the nail on the head. This is something I talk about
0: often with my um, executive coaching clients that struggle with their middle managers, and it is how do you get a middle manager um, to have that level of trust? And we can talk about whether that happens in recruiting, whether that happens in training, whether there's no way to make it happen. It just is is time. Um, but the root of all micromanagement is that kind of lack of trust. And then um, a secure manager says, All right, like it's fine. I actually don't need to do anything, right? They manage their way to independence or they coach their way to independence for their employees. Whereas an insecure manager swoops in and does all this micromanaging simply because they can't see what's happening. And what's fascinating is we're talking about it in a work context. Um, but this is a universal principle. I mean, think about a relationship where someone is worried that their spouse is cheating on them. Like, what do they do? They start monitoring their spouse and checking their spouse's phone and, you know, setting up a camera on the car or whatever craziness you have to do. And it's all from a lack of trust. Um, and of course, like that pushes the spouse even further away. No different than micromanaging pushes your employee further away.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Brad. I mean, it's a universal kind of concept, and one at the heart.
0: Parenting too. Sorry, like it's just like all these analogies that are real for people. Um, You know, people in relationships, like in in the cheating spouse is an extreme example. But you know, you ask your spouse to do a certain chore, and if you have trust that they do it, great, you can totally get that out of your mind and go about your day. If you don't, you are going to feel like you have to nag them. You are going to be looking over your shoulder to see if the dishes were washed, and that's just a waste of time and energy because there is not trust there.
1: Yeah and then, and you you mentioned it at the tail end there which is the parenting of you know trusting kids and again I'm not a parent Brad you're a young parent but you know I see it um in my college coaching world I see kind of the impacts of that on who has trust on their 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 child and who doesn't and the impact that that has as they navigate the world For the first time on their, on their own. And a lot of times you can tell who has grown up in, in, we'll call it a secure relationship where at least they have some degree of autonomy and freedom to learn and make mistakes. And those who this is their first, um, foray into a world where they don't have someone, a parent, kind of micromanaging them, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Hard and- to trust the two-and-a-half-year-old,
0: I will say that. Um, <laughs> they are conniving little bastards. But I'm sure as, as they get older, it's, it's easier. Um, yeah. yeah it's, my, my, it, it, my son tricks me every single time.
1: But it's it's that battle, right? It's that need to... like almost protect and like worry. And a lot of that is driven by that anxiety and that worry and those feelings that come with it of like, Oh, they could get in trouble. They could have this happen, et cetera, et cetera. And it leads to a lack of trust without setting it on reality, which is the reality from a parenting standpoint, especially looking at teenagers is they're going to mess up. You just don't want it to be big. Um, and it's not, you're not trying to prevent all mess ups. It's just that some are going to occur. Yeah.
0: It is, is a light aside and a bit of humor. Um, you know, it's easy to talk about this stuff conceptually with parenting. And, and I'm in the thick of it with a young kid. But um, everything changes when your son comes up to you and wows you with his perfect, complete sentence that, you know, da 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 da, if you give me four chocolate chips, then I'll eat the yogurt. And you're like, wow, this is incredible. So you give him four chocolate chips. He eats the four chocolate chips. He smiles and he walks away. And you say, well, what about the yogurt? And then he says, I changed my mind.
1: (laughs) So so what you're saying, Brad, is you're getting outsmarted by your child right now
0: every day. Um, But anyway, sorry, just just injecting a little bit of humor. But yeah, totally. Like as kids get older, you know, it's like, can I take the car out? Will I be? you don't have to check on me to make sure I'm doing my homework. And, and we've, we've also talked and written about this, like ad infinitum, which is the more that you do that kind of leaning in and external micromanagement, not only does it push the person away, but then they don't learn to do the thing on their own. They only do it because you're there and in a parenting or coaching situation when you're no longer
1: there, they don't do it. Um, which again, like trust is at the core of all this. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's a, a, another great point is that, you know, I, with both athletes and others uh, that I coach, I always say, like, our job is to coach towards independence because we want them to be able to do the thing, whatever the thing is, without anybody, you know, standing over them. You know, I always, I always compare it the, uh, the distance runner versus I'll call it the, uh, the football strength coach, right? The football player who has a has to have a strength coach yelling at him to lift the weight to be motivated to like perform to his max. Well, he might perform to his max when the strength coach is yelling at them, but like that's a horrible way to ingrain the motivation. Where a lot of times distance runners, just because of the nature of the sport, like we got to figure out how to motivate ourselves when it's just us alone and no one is out there and no one's with us. And I think that that's, that's a different skill and something that, you know, um, pushes our motivation, I'd say, in a more positive direction. So it's like, you know, that's a sporting example, but how do you create the environment where <laughs> even if you're not standing there, even if you're not motivating them, that that person is going to figure out how to do the thing. Mm -hmm. So
0: we've established why it's so important. Let's talk a little bit about what the research says on actually building trust with others.
1: Sure. Um, You know, I always fall back on um, the research around self-determination theory which we've talked about a lot both on this podcast and in our our blog on the growth equation but in particular one thing which is that need for autonomy which is one of our fundamental needs and if you look at it um this micromanaging lack of trust lack of autonomy is one of the the big predictors of work work burnout in a variety of fields so I always, with whoever I work with, I always think of how can I give them spices of autonomy to kind of like earn this trust and put them in position where they can do things, right? And sometimes they're going to mess up and maybe not get things done or like mess up whatever project it is. But that's why you try to do this and build this in a certain way that isn't, you know, you you don't give them the keys to your car for the uh the fancy hundred thousand dollar car the first go around right you give them the keys to the used five thousand dollar beat up car first and then you build and earn their way to that next step but it's like giving them the freedom to to you know mess up and fail a little bit but having the trust that they're gonna figure it out and then increasing that uh responsibility as we go
0: yeah so what you're saying is this is why you don't respond to
1: my emails. You know, there's lots of reasons I don't respond to your emails, Brad. It's I think it's because I re- I take too much time responding to your texts and your calls. That just emails are just ah, uh, it's it's another another level too much of of Brad in my life. I gotta have some uh, lack of Brad every once in a while.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Steve. You're too kind.
1: Um, <laughs> I think that
0: another um, another thing that is worth pointing out in um, in this in this building of trust is and this is a really nuanced point, but when I am working with entrepreneurs so those that are um, starting companies and have have a little bit more flexibility on who they bring in, I have a very low tolerance in my coaching practice. So again, this is just advice that I'm giving in counsel for people that abuse trust. Um, Which means that if you bring someone on and trust isn't there, and you, again, you're an entrepreneur, so you have the luxury of being agile, um, I'm pretty ruthless with counseling entrepreneurs to get rid of those people. Now, the nuance here is if something doesn't happen because of a lack of skill or a lack of organizational knowledge and knowing how to do the thing, that is very different than something doesn't happen because that person is being deceptive. And you can only ruthlessly eliminate people where there's a lack of trust if you can be sure that what's truly going on is a lack of trust, not a lack of skill or some other quality. Hmm
1: that's that's an interesting you know that's an interesting, right because like
0: there's two you like to again like to get like super concrete so you know you tell um joe smith that you really need him to have the presentation done because we're pitching a big client on thursday and he's like employee number seven and you've developed this really high trust culture and since you're a busy founder the last thing you want to do is have to check in with joe six times throughout the week so you don't and then thursday rolls around in the meeting happens and there's no pitch deck or the pitch deck is, you know, awful. Well, two things could have gone on. A, Joe is not a trustworthy person, Joe shouldn't be a part of your organization. B Joe didn't know how to use the PowerPoint software. He was intimidated to ask you because you present yourself as so busy and he couldn't figure it out. So therefore there's no PowerPoint. Uh, and like, this is such an extreme example. Something like this doesn't happen. But those are two thematically very different reasons that give you the same result. And in one, I'd call it a lack of trust. In another, I'd call it um, a lack of skill.
1: So it's, you know, it comes down to what I think I hear you saying is essentially how trainable is the quality that is preventing them from doing their work.
0: Yeah. And if it's trainable and you didn't train them, that's on you. If it's a quality of it they they know, a la responding to my emails, <laughs> I'm, I'm coming back for you, um, and it's not happening, well, then it's like, what's going on? Is is there, a, is there a trust issue?
1: So, from what I gather here is you're about to fire me on the podcast for not responding to your emails. <laughs> no, I'm just going to keep emailing you until you respond, but um Yeah.
0: You know, we got to practice what we preach. Steve's the least trustworthy business partner and I'm the biggest micromanager there is.
1: <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 in all seriousness, it's it's a fine balance, right? And I think it is.
0: Yeah. No, and we should use it. So like, okay, listeners, we're going to do a little um a little therapy without a therapist. So, a, a big tension for Steve and I and and I think this is why we're so glad to be in this partnership, the fact that this is the big tension, is Steve responds to emails way too slowly or not at all for me. And as Steve pointed out so elegantly, um, he feels that I probably send too many of these emails his way. Um, So like, okay, well, again, using this thing, how do you actually solve this problem? Is it truly a lack of trust? If Steve and I were just starting out working together, and we had no bounds or excuse me, we hadn't established bonds, then it would be a much bigger problem. But because we have established a foundation of trust over the last five, six years, you know, these things that would otherwise be big issues are things that we can joke about and address head on because that trust is there.
1: Yeah. And I I think there it's like having the report and knowing the individual you're working with, you know. And um, I think in our case that it's interesting to kind of think about because the thing that we could do is we could blow this up into a huge deal, right? And, you know, almost let things spiral and let that feeling of like, ah, you know, Brad's texting me again, Steve's not emailing me a, a, you know, or Steve's not responding and let that blow up into a big thing. Or we could, as you said, address it and let it kind of slide or go on the small things that don't matter, as long as it doesn't happen on the things that really matter. And I yes. think I, I think there's, it's again... That's this- the key to a good marriage,
0: by the way. And like a, a creative partnership is pretty close to a marriage. Right. And seriously, it, like that is the key to a good marriage is addressing the big stuff and then letting all the small stuff slide because if you're working closely or living closely with someone for years there's going to be a lot of small stuff
1: right exactly i mean it's like who takes out the trash who cooked the dinner whatever it is those things in a relationship which from the outside seem very small like can turn into very big things if they lit them if you let them and create resentment which then throws you down a, a horrible spiral towards a, a negative relationship and I think that that is the key you know I like to think of it as you know is this worth addressing is this worth the effort is this going to have the the impact that I think it does or is this something that you know whatever I'm just gonna you know lip slide and we'll if something big comes up we we address it head on you know
0: yeah 100 percent. Um in and, and, and you know, same thing with working with someone in a less intimate way, right? Steve and I are running this business, this creative endeavor together. We're in touch all the time. But the, if you're have a reporting structure where thirty people are reporting up to you, well, you're not gonna have the same level of intimacy and contact, but that same principle applies of if you can establish trust on the big things, then it's a lot easier to let the small things slide. Whereas if you haven't established trust, then each small thing becomes like another piece of evidence that you can't trust that person.
1: Yeah. I like how you frame that in terms of evidence because that's kind of kind of what it is. You know, it's like you're doing... Um, man, we're a little bit all over the
0: place. Listeners, I hope that we're, we're holding on here. But I, just just hang on. You're going to hopefully get where I'm going you can almost think of trust as like a meta-analysis study, the way that you build it. So you've got all this evidence coming in in a relationship. Again, whether an intimate, um, romantic relationship or one-on-one business partner, or you're managing a team of 100 people, you've got all this evidence coming in. Every act is a piece of evidence. And very rarely in any study is all the evidence going to point strongly in the same direction? But what a meta-analysis does is it lets you say, hey, most of the evidence most of the time is pointing in this direction. So this is the direction I'm going to go in. And I think that's a really good analogy and a really good way to think about how to build trust and how to decide whether or not you should trust someone.
1: Yeah, I like it. To take it a step further, um, the wrong way to do it is to freak out over an individual study right yeah. and, and and you see that you see that in the like in the social media world right or the news world is like you know we bounce back bow, back and forth between extremes of like oh science says this no it's just one small study right and the way to good science as you said is to look at the totality of the evidence and where it presents itself. And I'd say the same thing in in a good r- relationship, whether that's business or romantic, is the totality is don't freak out or over or be hyper aware on one individual thing. You know, as long as you're moving in the right direction and the totality points in this direction of trust, then you're in a good spot.
0: And I think, and and I wish I had a very practical way to address this. And I don't. So again, listeners, if you're out there and you have it, email me. I'd be very grateful. But so many organizations have a problem that they let go of people too soon over small things, but they hold on to other people too long over the big things. And um, the most efficient, in an economic sense, way to deal with this is is to let go of the right people at the right time, to end the relationship at the right time. And again, so often in life, um, we freak out about the small things and end something or make a big change when we shouldn't. And we somehow convince ourselves that the big things aren't as important and we hold on too long. Um, I can't tell you how often I've come across employees that were let go that shouldn't have been and employees that have been kept that should have been let go around this issue of trust. And um, it comes down to, you know, using this analogy, whether you're making decisions, these big decisions about um, your relationship with individuals based on the meta-analysis or the single study.
1: So, you know, what I'm hearing you say there, to kind of summarize that, that this thought up, is it's really important to like gain the knowledge and awareness to identify and figure out if it's a big thing or a small thing.
0: Yes. 100%. Um, and you know, back to Pete's book about government and, and where we started, it's, it's a through theme in the book, and he doesn't necessarily say it in the way that, that we are um, in using these, these random Brad and Steve analogies. But basically, a government that is working for you, more often than not does the right thing. Not always. And when it doesn't, people don't freak the crap out because it's a small aberration. It's the exception to the rule. Whereas a government that's not working is constantly doing the wrong things, constantly not having transparency. And that's a government that you can't trust. So this is the difference um, in more recent political times between someone that misspeaks every once in a while or gets tired or forgets the name of someone versus someone that is constantly peddling a message of blatant falsehoods with intention behind them. Um, those are two very different things. That day, when the person when each person says the wrong thing, they're equal. But if one is kind of like a one-off and the other is a repetitive theme, well, you you probably can trust the former but not the latter.
1: So so let's, you know, I don't want to spend too much on the government politics, but I think it is interesting because I think You step back and, you you know, we're saying, well, you know, building trust creates better businesses, better performances. Why would someone want to sow distrust?
0: Chaos. And if there's distrust, then it's a a cover for poor leadership. Because particularly if you're the leader, because if you're a leader and you're sowing distrust, what you're basically telling the people that you lead is none of my poor results can be verified, or none of my poor results are accurate, or you don't know with 100% certainty that my poor results are are accurate, so therefore you shouldn't believe them.
1: Exactly. It's like taking the meta-analysis, tearing it up, and, you know, saying, we can't believe any of this, so instead we should just believe what I am saying or I am doing.
0: Right, And the news does this too, right? Because the news... And when I say the news, news is really important. We need news. But the 24-7 digital news cycle that needs you know clicks to sell advertising dollars does this all the time um, because their whole model is predicated on being provocative. And generally, a lack of trust or something's gone haywire is a lot more exciting when things are going as they should. So the example um, that I mentioned on a previous episode that I just I keep coming back to because it's so insane is one morning I was breaking my own rule and I was on CNN.com and in bright red, it's flashing, you know, breaking news. I forgot. I think it was Johnson & Johnson or Eli Lilly, but one of these vaccine trials um, was halted. And that was it. It's a breaking news. Vaccine trial halted. in the you click on it, and the title of the article is, you know, th- they had to stop this massive vaccine trial. Okay, well, now you've got my attention. You read down six paragraphs, which very few people do. And what happened is they had 30,000 people enrolled in the study, and someone had like a stroke. Well, guess what? If you have a population of 30,000 people and you follow them for a couple months, someone's going to have a stroke. And then you read on to the ninth paragraph, and it says that 99.99% of successful vaccine trials are at some point halted for reasons like this. So what about that as breaking news? Nothing. The headline should have been like, massive vaccine trial goes as
1: expected. <laughs> no, no, no one's clicking on that article. So that's the Exactly. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> um, you know, one other thing that you talked about, or one other thing that came to mind as you were kind of talking about that, is it's also you know, tying into group or government, you know, leadership and trust is there can always, there can be situations where the trust in the followers is high, but it is not warranted. And I, you know, to the extreme um, example would be like a cult, right? Trust is incredibly high. From the followers to the leader in that direction, but it's not founded and it's not founded in in doing the work or the evidence, right? It's founded in the individual and in just the individual. And I think that is another thing where it's like we have to become, you know, wary of where we can place our trust. Right? It has to be founded in evidence or the work.
0: Yes, it's the cult of personality. It's why like. Taking entrepreneurship advice from someone like Gary Vanderchuck makes no sense, but so many people do it.
1: <laughs> you're, you're saying that all the gurus we shouldn't listen to, Brad. Man, you're going to destroy people's lives on this podcast. Uh,
0: no, I, I, but I think, and like, I'm not just being a contrarian for contrarian's sake. Like, you guys maybe you shouldn't listen to me and Steve, but, um, it feels like where we're coming out on this, Steve, especially at more of the, the cultural level, you really have to swim upstream in the current society to practice this kind of stuff. Because the current society rewards distrust, because again, distrust is provocative. It rewards celebrity and the cult of personality. So trusting someone because... um they look a certain way or they have like a certain tone of voice or they carry themselves a certain way, or they make these bold promises that are hard to falsify, um, which is so different than like taking a more nuanced, well-reasoned approach to determining what to trust and who to trust. Uh, And it's a real problem. And as we talked about on a prior episode, social media is just fueling it because traditionally you'd have these gatekeepers that the public could trust, a the New York Times and Wall Street Journal and big institutions. And now those gatekeepers are gone.
1: People no longer trust those gatekeepers. It's just the Wild West. And I think you're getting at such a good point here, which kind of summarized everything up, is that kind of the theme here is we, you know, as an individual, we often place our, our trust in the wrong spots, not in doing the work. As a, you know, a leader or person... Often we place our trust in the wrong spot, or the wrong person, or at the wrong time. Right? We we miss the um, you know we overemphasize on the small things, underemphasize on the, on the big things, and then as a society, we're doing the same thing. We're putting our trust in random gurus or random talking heads. Instead of, this is another great example, during COVID, instead of the epidemiologist who has spent, you know, um, eight years getting a degree on this thing and 30 years studying it and done the work.
0: Yeah. And, and, it, and, it, and it completely preys on our human nature and bias towards wanting like a black and white answer when most complex things are gray. So here here we go. So this is in defense of the growth equation. What I would say and I firmly believe this, the this guide's how I consume information on complex topics relating to things like health, success, performance. If someone gives you an answer, I am much more skeptical even though I desperately want an answer than if someone tees up principles For you to wrestle with, and says it depends because there are so few answers. Get vaccinated. That is an answer. Um, What else is an answer? Don't eat just ten thousand, or excuse me, don't eat ten thousand calories a day, probably unless you're training really hard. But don't eat one thousand calories a day. Like that is an answer. There are some very basic things, but man, like outside of you and I telling listeners that they should get vaccinated. They should move their body for 30 minutes a day. Um, they shouldn't smoke cigarettes. And they probably, but we can't even be certain, shouldn't have more than two drinks a day. Maybe we can be certain about that. They probably shouldn't have more than one drink a day. There's not much that we can say
1: that's definitive. And, and definitive uh, uh, creates this like fake trust. Well, nuance a lot of times gives off the idea of uncertainty and Because it's like, well, you're kind of hedging and hawing, but the world is about the nuance and the world is about this hedging and hawing because like, it's a very complex thing. So that's why we tend to trust the wrong outlets, wrong people, wrong things.
0: And the more that, to make it really practical, if you are a manager, coach, teacher, parent, the more that you push your people for certainty on complex topics the worse off. Because then what you're telling them is basically to like overshoot the target to give you some sense of security when a more trusting relationship generally would develop if you allow people to come to you and say, I don't know the answer. Here's what I found. Let's take a shot and adjust as we go. Um, And it's so hard to create a culture. It's so hard to create a marriage where you do that. But I would argue that when you're talking about the long-term path to sustainable success, that is, the, you know, that is the map to follow. Thanks for listening to the Growth Equation Podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website, www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter, at B. Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast is this goes a long way in helping it reach others.
1: So, in summary, be able to say, I don't know. This is probably where we end.
0: Actually, Steve, you should probably use the swoosh sound about 30 seconds ago, and we should probably end there.
1: (laughs) Well, if we get that edited or not, thank you for listening, and until next time,
0: Throw in the swoosh sound. All right, man. Please, please, please respond to that email. I told Chipper, to our SEO guy, to program your brain to respond to emails. <laughs> it's never going to happen. I'm going to resist. All right.